President Clary, Dean Hosek, distinguished guests, parents, friends, relatives, graduating students of the School of Business Administration and Economics, I am pleased and honored to be here as your commencement speaker, extremely pleased. As you've been told, some 20 years ago, I too graduated from this same school. When first asked by Dean Hosek to be your commencement speaker, I was honored, yet somewhat bewildered. What would I speak of or about? How could I relate to students graduating two decades later? In short, things have changed a great deal in the last 20 years, yet they haven't. I was surprised to find that your average age is not much different from mine was when I graduated in 1971. I was surprised to find that most of you have had the work to put yourself through school, as I did. Most of you were born during the Vietnam War. My generation was born at the end of the Second World War. You are graduating at the end of the Persian Gulf War, and I was graduated from college during the Vietnam War. You as students did the same things to get by as my generation did, and the same that all generations of all college and university graduating students have done since higher education became a necessity. We have all wondered, did we take the right classes? Did we have the right minor? Should or shouldn't we have changed our major? Should we have taken more stat? And on and on. Students have asked themselves these questions for generations. But the real quandary all graduating students have belies a more in-depth theme. Will these years we've spent laboring for a piece of parchment really make a difference out there in the real world? Will we be happy? Will we make a contribution? Will we be satisfied? Will we be content? Will we be successful? And for some of you, will we be rich and famous? I wish I could tell you that the School of Business Administration and Economics asked me to be its first commencement speaker because as one of its own graduates, I have all these answers. But that's not why I'm here. I can't give you any panaceas because there aren't any out there. Sadly, I do not possess this wisdom, but I do have a knowledge of accomplishing goals all against the odds. It is my enthusiasm I wish to share with you and that is why I'm here today, to share with you my enthusiasm and wisdom of what works to be a success, not only in business, but in life. There are certain proven guidelines that I believe can be enormously helpful if you choose to use them. They work for me, and there is no reason why they can't work for you. Some of them will be easy to comprehend. Some others will require a little more thought. And then, my fellow graduates, there will be things I say to you that you will need a great deal of blind faith to follow. I've been exactly where you are now. This advice comes from my deepest convictions of what it takes to survive in the world of business today. My speech this morning will treat the following points. One, your college education and what you have really received. Two, how business perceives recent graduates and what will be expected from you. Three, 
how to use what you've learned to the utmost, four, how to acquire the knowledge you don't have yet, five, how to make what you've learned work for you, and finally, six, real life concrete examples of what I'm illustrating. As many of you know, prior to attending CSUN, I was raised and educated just a few miles from here. When I started my education at CSUN in September 1963, I had no idea what my future would be. My idea of education was that it resulted in parties, drinking, and basically outlandish behavior. However, my education was interrupted by the Vietnam War. I entered the Army in June 1966 and served three plus years. During my time in the service, I went to Officers Candidate School and was commissioned a second lieutenant. There were many men who served under my command. Some were my age, but most were older. My entire outlook on life changed during this period. I had the responsibility not only for my well-being, but for their well-being as well. It was at this time that I learned to value people's worth, their integrity, and their actions. Therefore, when I returned to CSUN in September 1969, I was no longer an inexperienced youth, but someone who knew what he wanted from life. I came back with a vengeance, taking an average of 20 units per semester with 15 units during summer school and graduated in January 1971 on the dean's list. I thrived on it. I saw my professors as my equals, men and women who were there to assist me with my goals. It took many of the same classes. I took many of the same classes as you did. And yes, some of the same professors, Shirley Teeter, Saul Buckalter, Joe Buckwald, Fidel Soelev, remember me well. Now let us look at what you have received from CSUN. And more importantly, the advantages I believe you have over your competition from other recent university graduates. You're receiving your degree from a good school with a fine reputation. In certain disciplines, you have national recognition. You have had good to outstanding instruction in many subjects. Except for a few of the top business schools in the country, you will be perceived to be on equal or better footing than those with whom you will be competing for jobs or new positions within the company where you already work. As your career unfolds, you will come to appreciate that there are definitely, you are definitely equal and usually superior to your competition. However, that realization of your ability will become evident only through time. Thus far, we have established that you are intellectually equal to or slightly better than a majority of those you will be going head to head with in the real world. Some of your superiority has resulted from the fact that you worked in business while attending CSUN, or you graduated with distinction. Bravo. But whatever the reason for your business edge, take it and make it work for you. Remember, you only need a slight advantage in life to be successful, only a slight. A case in point is Las Vegas. There too, you only need a slight edge. Now we will discuss what business expects from you. It has been my experience that employees are expected to be competent in many tasks performed, and especially well-conversant in just a few. These few are the future roads to your success. The few, not the many. Nobody expects you to be a whiz kid at everything you do. 
But most seasoned managers expect to promote people that excel at something in particular. That is not to say that being the best in statistics won't get you put into personnel. But management looks for trends of excellence that they can fit into their corporate structure, into their corporate structure, their corporate strategy, not yours. How to achieve this level of excellence in a given endeavor is the question you must answer. Corporate America wants you to make their system better. Capitalism does work. Remember that. It is not likely that you will devise a better system than our forefathers. So stick with it and make it happen within the system. Let us examine what we have learned here at CSUN. It is only now, 20 years later, that I appreciate why you are given a bit of many individual disciplines within the School of Business Administration and Economics. Albeit, some of the courses are less than exciting. However, it is the exposure you need to be at least verbally aware. You will find out there is a great deal of OJT, on-the-job training. And from the dark recesses of your brain, bits of knowledge will spring forth at the most advantageous time. It will become apparent to your employer that you are a most valuable asset. For example, you have studied finance as your core discipline, but there is potentially an opportunity in marketing. Because you have read about much about marketing, you are not shut out or boxed in early on in your career. The bottom line, always be prepared to take opportunities where you find them. Be courageous. Take that chance. You will be rewarded. Now that you have mastered the preliminaries of getting ahead, let me focus on the harder to fathom portion of your career path. You must not only keep abreast of everything in your area, you also you must feel and provide an opportunity to excel. Managers are aware that it takes time and a lot of effort to be conversant in another area. And you may ask, why is this the most difficult part of your career path? Well, ladies and gentlemen, this additional education will be acquired while you are working. Most or all of your leisure time will be used for the purpose of educating yourself. Your formal education has ended, but your real education has just begun. Some people call this part of self-growth the school of hard knocks, but it doesn't have to be. There will be disappointments, but if you keep up your perseverance, they should pale in comparison to your many successes and accomplishments. The perseverance that I speak of is the same perseverance that each of you has exhibited bringing you here to this moment today. And fellow business and economic graduates, that is what really differentiates you from most of the working masses. You persevered in the good times, but especially in the face of many adversities. We all know these adversities because we have shared them together. Now for the last and probably the hardest guideline to digest, vis-a-vis -vis turning your education into what you want, on this point I've given a great deal of thought. I want to say the right things, and yet I don't want to make it sound so unrealistic that it becomes a self-fulfilling turnoff. Making a success out of yourself, whatever that means to each and every one of you, is about commitment. Commitment to yourself and to your loved ones. It's about all the corny things that we have heard since we were children. It's about great men and women since the beginning of time. People such as Joan of Arc, Abraham Lincoln, Golda Meir, Martin Luther King, and Margaret Thatcher. All of these men and women had one thing in common. 
These were people who chose to be committed to a principle, such as Abraham Lincoln, the freeing of the slaves, Golda Meir, the bringing together of the Middle East with a newly formed nation of Israel, Martin Luther King, equal rights for all, and Margaret Thatcher, a new British economy. But we don't have to look for examples of commitment on a national worldwide basis. We can look right here at CSUN and our own school of business administration and economics. We can look right here at the podium. We can look at President Cleary as a man of commitment. When I returned from my military service to CSUN in September 1969, Dr. Cleary had just assumed his new position. I know how this school has changed for the better in countless ways. Without the commitment of purpose shown by Dr. Cleary and many of his staff, the benefits we have enjoyed over the years would have been nothing more than an intellectual exercise. President Cleary is definitely one of these men and women who knows about commitment. He had a dream about this institution and what it could become, and without his constant perseverance, this would not be the fine university it is today. It goes further to the present dean, Dean Hosek, and the deans of past, some of whom I've known personally. And they all had their dreams of what might be, and some of those dreams have come true, and some will come true in the not too distant future. I speak notably of our soon to be constructed School of Business Administration and Economics. Do you think it was easy to get this concept, let alone the dollar amount, through all the committees and budgetary process and legislation? It took commitment to an idea, an iron wheel perseverance for many, many years. Now to the theme which is very important to me. That is commitment in oneself and to another human being. Most people would automatically think of one spouse, parent, or child. But I'm speaking about a different kind of bonding commitment that transcends marriage and parenthood. In my life, I've been extremely fortunate. I met a professor here at CSUN, who at the time was associate dean, who believed in me at a time when not many did. He allowed me to take up to 26 units a semester when everyone else advised me not to. I take this opportunity to thank Dr. Jim Bennett. You're a man committed to the system of education and to its students. And then there was a man who actually could see my dream. His name was Charlie Soliday. Together we dreamed of a natural resources company. And that company exists today. He and I went against all the odds. But he believed in me, unfortunately, his untimely passing at age 40 never allowed him to see the dream come to fruition. Now, I not only carry my commitment, but his commitment as well. These special acts of purpose are never forgotten. And without the Jim Bennett's and the Charlie Soliday's, there would be no point in dreaming. Notwithstanding everything I've said to this point, all of you will not achieve everything 
you set out to accomplish. But I can guarantee you, if you don't set goals and standards for yourself early on, you will have little chance to achieve even the most rudimentary status in life. For those of you that have very definitive aspirations, such as VP of Marketing, CFO, VP of Personnel, or CEO, practice within when you're without. This means simulate the position you aspire to fill in various situations. You will be surprised how much it will be like deja vu when it comes to fruition. You will have already been there and experienced the action before. We have already done it as children. How many times have you practiced asking your parents for something? How many of us have practiced asking someone out for a first date or a prom? Believe me, it works. You come to realize very quickly that many of the principles that I'm referring to have been used by you and your contemporaries already. I'm not suggesting you reinvent the wheel. I'm suggesting that you expand your horizons and use these already proven principles that have worked for many, myself included. Of these principles, two of the most difficult yet extremely effective to grasp are act as if you had no limits to your abilities and perhaps the most notable thing I'll say today you must act with great enthusiasm in everything you do if you think back you'll be able to think of situations where the person who exhibited the can-do positive and enthusiastic attitude got the nod or opportunity and fellow graduates what you will come to realize early on in your career is all you need or want is the opportunity to excel. Just the opportunity and the rest will take its natural course. How many times have you wished you had done something but didn't, then wished you had? Virtually all of us have ex experienced this. If you merely reduce such occurrences, your career goals will be enhanced. Now I will relate a an example that exhibits these concepts, an example that is real and understandable about myself and the natural resources company I co-founded nine years ago, of which I am still chairman and CEO. The other two co-founders who were part of my dream team and how we reacted in our first five years of existence, which happened to be the most devastating period for energy companies in 50 years. Let me put the situation in perspective. After the second oil embargo in 1979, oil prices rose to $40 a barrel. By the early, in the early 80s, then plummeted to $8 a barrel by mid-1986. Our company was founded on Friday, July 13, 1982, with $820, a phone, and a leased fax machine. None of us had any real oil or energy experience to speak of, least of all me. Now it's 1987, and I am being interviewed by a London-based newspaper, and I was asked how in the most trying period the energy business has ever known, 1982 to 1987, called by some a five-year depression, did Great Western Resources Incorporated become the fastest-growing natural resource company in the United States with assets of near $300 million? I thought for a microsecond and fired back with as much enthusiasm as I could we always act as if we had no limits to our abilities, and we decided not to participate in the energy depression. <laughs> I told him it didn't hurt us not knowing it was the worst of times because we had no experience, bad or good. But more importantly, we always simulated positive occurrences. We would have been surprised if we hadn't succeeded. The reporter looked stunned 
and went on to the next question. I tell you this story not to make light of all the tremendous hard work that it takes to become successful and fulfilled. It is not easy, but it is attainable if you have the real desire to get down and roll up your sleeves. It's like raising children. If you have the true grit to stick with it, especially during adversity, and are willing to go the extra mile in a positive and enthusiastic manner, you'll make it. I guarantee it. Another example of what I've illustrated this morning was to have a dream. I have dreamed many times of being here today, of giving this commencement speech. I believe it's because I had something that needed to be shared with you. It's my way of saying thank you, CSUN, for all that you've done. And also, I hope someday I would have an opportunity to help lay out a framework for the future for graduating students. Everything I've discussed today really works. It's not theory or rhetoric. Notwithstanding, I've told you to have faith in some instances. It is not faith you will be rewarded in the afterlife. It is faith that will be rewarded in this life. And that's why you went to college in the first place. There is no doubt in my mind, and there should be none in yours. We have shared experiences others cannot duplicate. Remember, we are one, we are the same. We are CSUN graduates of the School of Business Administration and Economics. It is a basis for which you can build your own recipe for success. It has given me great pride and satisfaction to be with you this morning, to be here this morning, as your first commencement speaker for the School of Business Administration and Economics. In closing, I'd like to read something that was written to me by my father long before I attended CSUN. The future is yours. Approach it with honesty and ambition, with a will to fight for the rights of mankind. Always balance the rights of mankind with the rights of society. Have faith in yourself and faith in people. For if you trust no one, you cannot trust yourself.